0: Oh, and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, aka Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 154. Let's roll. And we are gliding into week seven, bi-week oblivion. I mean, it is just it is just tough. I mean, whether you're in a redraft league, best ball league. Dynasty League, it is. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of shrapnel out there. Um, it was actually a rough week, even for a lot of good teams. I noticed, um, you know, a lot of good teams lost last week, meaning in the uh, in the in the fantasy streets. Uh, but uh, you know, here to, here to talk about all that and more with me is a is a person and a friend and a guest that you know. It's funny sometimes you have guys that are really smart, you know, analytical minds. You'll have guys that are pretty good on the mic, but You know, not so smart. You'll have other guys. This is one of the more well-rounded people that you'll ever have. I mean, first of all, he's funny as hell. He's a friend of mine and he hasn't been in these streets for like a year. And the reason is, is because he's been populating himself and multiplying himself at a breakneck level. I mean, just popping out kids like fucking the Goonies. You remember the Goonies where they just popped off them? That's how he's doing it. Him and his wife just literally popping kids everywhere. And then he's got to fucking go curry these guys and chase them around and do all this nonsense. So he has been chasing toddlers for a year. But he has broken his sabbatical. And Mr. Travis Seal is going to join us today. And I am so excited because Travis is a dynasty mind, an analytical mind, a football guy, and he is the true north. You can find Travis Seal on Twitter at T Seal 14, Mr. Travis Seal, my very, very good friend. Welcome back to the program.
1: Dude, it is good to be here and probably nobody I would rather break my little fantasy football hiatus with than yourself. Love you. Love the entire Undroppables fam. Shout out to Michael P on the ones and twos. Michael P. Duncan, please don't forget the motherfucking P. (laughs) If any little Wayne fans are out there, that is Michael Duncan. Love that guy as well. Go Birds. But yeah, good to be here, man. I really, really appreciate you having me on and uh, excited to, you know, knock some rust off and talk a little fantasy football here.
0: There it is. There's the dulcet tones right there, just dropping it. He said more in those 20 seconds than I've said on this podcast in four and a half years. I mean, unbelievable. (laughs) Just succinct to the point, gets it out. Trav, it's really, really good to have you. I am so, so glad to have you back. You know, I've I've actually thought about having a a regular show with you at one point. Obviously, we are super busy. True North is a great, um, uh, you know, a great uh, site, and I love what you guys do. You do great work. Um, go check you out on um, on Instagram and 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 TikTok.
1: From what I understand, you're doing some cool shit, yeah. Yeah? right? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying out the socials a little bit more, kind of like pairing it down to a little more short form content. It's just me behind the True North brand now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, trying to keep it manageable within life with four kids and just make it so I can be consistent and not feel that obligation to be getting out tons and tons of content each week, more focusing on the quality as opposed to uh, the quantity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's been great. I've really liked what you've done on the, on the rebound there. And, uh, you know, I always like True North from the beginning. You know, we've got, you know, even some of your contributors on our team. So, you know, it's it's absolutely a family affair. But I can tell you for a fact, Travis, that not a single human being tuned in tonight, except maybe your wife, to hear us wax poetic about each other. So let's get on to the football, shall we?
1: Let's do it.
0: So, you know, it's funny. we were thinking about what we were going to talk about, and there's a million things that we can talk about, a million different angles, and I'm sure we're going to take a lot of those angles. But I think a lot of this right now is like, you know, what's real, what isn't, right? You know, there's like guys who will step up and like start performing, and you're like, wait a second, is this real or is it not? Guys are struggling. Is, Is this real or is this not? Should I be buying or selling this? You know, and and also our 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 dynasty teams, you know, I mean, or even our fantasy teams for that matter, you know, even a redraft team, you start looking to go, you know, do I have a shot? What do I do? Do I blow it? I've blown up redraft leagues before where I've just sold like my absolute best player to try and get some depth or something like, you know, you got to shake it up. Right. So. It's like, I think that this is about when during the season that you have to make that decision, especially in dynasty, obviously, because so much is riding on the line with your dynasty decisions. I had heel toed a a certain league this, this past week and started to sell everything off. And I made some really great trades before week six, where I got a bunch of first round picks. And, you know, in in one example, I'll give you Trav. I even sold uh, DJ Moore on the hotness. And I know now, you know, with, with, with a, you know, a, a so-so week last week and Justin Fields with the, with the hurt thumb. I don't think I would have gotten that return this week. Right. So it's like, it's not to say that DJ Moore is, or isn't good, but sometimes you just gotta, you gotta see it coming, sell fast and move on. And I'm sure uh, aside from raising your four kids, you're trying to do that with all your dynasty teams.
1: Yeah. And like this, this time of the season, like between weeks, probably weeks five and week nine, you really got to kind of capitalize on those pockets of value. So exactly what you did with DJ Moore, that's exactly what you got to do. You got to look at that guy. Is he, um, is he on a roster where he's going to be something that pushes you to that next level? probably not. So you might want to get out on that guy, right? So yeah, I think this is really a pivotal time in those dynasty seasons. Are you a contender? Are you a pretender? Uh, I'm actually trying to get more active on the trade market in some of my leagues as well, just with life being so busy. But yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun, A, and yes. that's why we play this game in general. And then B, when you're looking at kind of shifting those teams, sometimes a rebuild job is fun. Yes. Sometimes paying up for a contender is fun and seeing what you can do. Because if it pays off, it's so much more glory on top of any of those wins that you get yet. Um, And really, we're in it to have fun, we're in it to get glory, and you can accomplish both of those things by just taking a look at your roster and really evaluating and being honest with yourself, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. We talked last week with uh, Matt Chester about, you know, looking at your max PF. And sometimes you're like, this particular team actually was seven and three. It's a, um, you know, uh, victory points league. And I was like the last seven and three team. So, you know, I didn't have a lot of points. And my max PF, I think was like, you know, bottom half, but somehow I was in the top, and it's like a lot of people would be fooled by that team and think, "I've got this, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna compete." But like, it was not, and, and I'm so glad I did because I think my two quarterbacks, were like Jimmy G and Tannehill or whatever, and they both, you know, it's like it's you, you got to just come to realization, like this isn't the team. I might have had some some really good players. I think I even sold, I forget who else I sold off on that league, but like, yeah, you know, it could be a CMC team. But like, if if CMC is sort of carrying you to victories, you know, it's like. Well, look, this ship is going to sink if you know if he doesn't have his good week, you know. So, a lot of times you really have to look at that. Look at your max PF and and don't be bashful, you know. Um, sell off, get some future picks, and and what happens is, and that team too is. I had actually texted the commissioner in that league, and I was like, "Hey, man, double checking on this. Max PF is the uh, reverse. Max PF is the uh, is the draft order, right?" And he said he confirmed that, and then I made the trade. You know, because I was like, if it's not, I'm actually got a good record. I don't want to, you know, I I, I had to really consider it. But if it's reverse max PF, I was already toward the bottom. And by shedding points, I can improve my pick. I'm not going to probably make the playoffs. If I do, I'm probably not going to win. So I I made the trade, and it was funny. The commission was like, you know, he kind of like sent me the wink goat emoji. He was like, dude, nicely done. Like, you know, it's like just making sure before you fucking pull the trigger on that thing and, and, and it all works out. So, yeah, it's just know your league, know the rules and, and be honest with your team. It's, it's huge, man.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like, it's one of the harder things is to be honest about the team, right? Because yes. if you see those wins, like you got to, like right now, I'm looking at, I got a five and one team, uh, super flex league, but my best starting quarterback is Dak Prescott. I am starting Jordan Addison as one of my uh, receivers and Noah Fant is my starting tight end. Right. So that's a five and one team. It's and I'm flimsy. a little bit of a notorious win now player too, Jax. Like yeah. I love getting MWs. Like yes. I want to take that title home every single season. So I've been sucked into that a little bit, but then you look at those teams and you really got to evaluate. And like, if I look at my key assets, I got a Travis Etienne on that team. I got a Keenan Allen who's aging on that team. Yes. Um, those could be guys that I might want to sell off to get some of that capital to, capital to rebuild build for the future so uh yeah i'm totally with you this is the time to evaluate that stuff and you really got to look at the uh the honest picture of what your team can be not what your team looks like right now right
0: absolutely we i was talking about it with my nemesis uh cmfk you know my boy and we were talking about how it's just patience and i think we even mentioned it last week on the pod with matt chester but it's like you you really shouldn't be making buying trades until later in the season until it's really really time And that's why it's so important to try and sell now, too, because here's the thing. I was like, you know, I even mentioned it like what in in this particular league I'm talking about 16 team league, the top two players in the league, the top two teams are basically you know trying to win it all. And I have one of them. I have all of his like he both of those guys have between 24, 25 and 26, have like four or five at the most picks total in all three of those drafts no first no seconds like they've completely pushed and because i sort of saw that trend coming like once i get those picks they're no longer available so other sellers in that league don't have the money's gone you you can't mm-hmm. go to the bank it's gone there's no more loans it's all fucking gone you know i mean maybe there's one other guy who might dip his toe in there but the two behemoths in that league i wanted to make sure that I was the guy who got all their picks because you, you just sensed they were going you know and so it's all these types of things that you really want to pay attention to and you know it's it's hard when you're in 20 leagues raising 17 kids like I mean I, you know I, a job and all the rest of it, but if you're in a couple leagues or if you have the wherewithal, pay attention to all this. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna get to a lot of that and I also want to talk about one more thing. I'm gonna do that right after this.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: I'm not sure if that was a progressive ad or what it was, but God bless you for hanging in and listening to those ads. I mean, those are paying me hundreds and hundreds of pennies per ad. It is unbelievable. Uh, Listen, I appreciate you. Um, Let's get to some football. You know, we could talk strategy. We're going to fold some of that in. But I want to start with Kansas City. I feel like Kansas City is like, uh, uh, let me ask it this way, Trav. Do you think this this season is going to turn around for Mahomes or do you think this is just kind of the way the 2023 version of Mahomes is going to be?
1: Well, I think we're going to see some of those big weeks from him just because he is who he is. And he does have some talent in the receiver core that can give you some boom weeks here and there. Um, but I think due to that, we're going to see inconsistent kind of elite level quarterback play from Patrick Mahomes just because they are leaning a lot more on the run. We've seen that yeah. in the resurgence of Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, he is running really well right now. And I love all of the memes about how hard he runs, yeah. by the way. Yeah, he's uh, running like the field it owes it of money it is insane yeah so i love all of that and the kind of the resurgence of the run game and that's just been kind of to the detriment to some of the passing volume and some of the stuff that we can see patrick mahomes do because they don't have to lean on him running around like a madman and making ridiculous plays they can lean on salting away those games with that run game right so i think it's probably going to level out a little bit but i don't think he's going to go any further down than like top five right so he's still going to be that guy who's giving you some of those big weeks he's going to have some four touchdown weeks here and there um still got travis kelsey still like said has guys who can make big plays and pop off and that's going to be the key is just getting some big plays out of that passing game that they've really sorely been missing since Tyreek Hill left
0: well you know funny uh you said running around I mean he is actually uh averaging more rushing yards per game than he I I didn't I didn't even know that uh than than he has in his career but let me share some numbers with you with mr patrick mahomes you know touchdown percentage is the lowest of his career by quite a bit it's at 4.9 first time he's ever been under five his career average is 6.3 uh, percent. so touchdowns are down his interception rate is the highest it's ever been at 2.2 his is you know his, his career is 1.7 um you know the sack rate is down, and he's rushing really well, but the QBR is is pretty low. The quarterback rating is the lowest of his career as well. So uh, his his yards per game throwing the football lowest of his career, including even his rookie season where he only had one game. Um, so you know he's throwing for 265 yards a game and not throwing a lot of touchdown passes. Yeah, it's it's not it's not great. His completion percentage is there, but again, his yards per attempt also the lowest of his career 7.18 is his uh is his you know is his um career average so you know by every measure he's just not getting it done and we're all attributing that i think to a couple of things you know travis kelsey father time couple injuries knickknack injuries he hasn't been out but i think what most of us put it squarely on this wide receiver core is there a salvageable piece at all in this in this receiver core is it basically just you know wait till next year and they'll they'll fucking reset the deck uh,
1: i think they'll try probably and i'm not super attached to any guys in this wide receiver core i think if i am going to attach to one especially for dynasty it's going to be rushy rice yep. uh, i do like what i'm seeing from him uh, i did a little graphic on instagram last week uh, before thursday night football just looking at who gets open in the receivers yeah. or in the receiver room for the chiefs um and rashi rice actually gets open on the highest percentage of his routes he's just not on the field that much right um so i think you know he's doing really good things as far as what he can do on the field it just hasn't translated into volume so I'm not saying that's going to come necessarily either I think the funny thing with the Chiefs is almost like what we did with their backfield when Clyde Edwards Hilaire came in right we attached to all the numbers that are attached to Andy Reid we thought that this was going to be a running back one right off the bat coming in getting that receiving volume but what we saw is that the receiving volume was not there for the running back in Kansas City and this wasn't really a run game that we wanted to attach to at all right and that's kind of borne out in uh, in what we've seen from old Clyde Edwards Hilaire but um, (laughs) like I said Isaiah Pacheco is doing some things that um, that we haven't really expected out of this run game uh, but I think we're doing the same thing with the wide receiver group the last few years is kind of what I'm getting at here. Is yeah, we want to attach to Patrick Mahomes because he is that elite option, he's the guy who can get the ball deep downfield, we saw what he did with Tyreek Hill but none of these guys are Tyreek Hill right and so we really have to kind of think about what we're expecting out of that wide receiver room and we shouldn't be expecting one of these maybe even top 24 guys necessarily they could end up there towards the end of the season if there's some injuries or maybe a guy like Rice Emerges or maybe the new uh the newly reacquired Nicole Hardman potentially. <laughs> um don't do
0: it, don't I, do that. To I, yourself. Know, I know, don't, don't do, do that. that. Don't no. I did
1: it way too many times no. uh, in his previous tenure, and I'm not getting burned that way again. And I'm really just not willing to get burned by any more of these wide receivers in investing myself in them having that production, right? So totally I uh I just think that it's not going to be a wide receiver room that we want pieces of. Yes, there's going to be flashes here and there, yeah, but post-Tyreek Hill, it's not really something that we are going to dive into and invest into a lot because they have it seems like they have six guys that do a lot of the same stuff right they're all smaller guys fast they run the short average depth of target stuff trick plays here and there not guys that can do what the cheetah was doing getting downfield deep being wide open so patrick mahomes could literally just hurl it in the air and not give a shit where he's putting it because he knows that the guy's going to run under it you know so yeah um the compliment of tyreek and then the safety net of travis kelsey was kind of like um the perfect storm for patrick mahomes and that offense and there's just i don't think that perfect storm is going to be rearing its ugly head again
0: um i think you're right about rashi rice being the um you know the the one to own in this uh kansas city wide receiver group but I would also push back a little bit um, on Rashi. I feel like he, he, if he were truly an elite, you know, player and you know, an asset worth sort of "quote unquote" buying here, you know what I mean? In Dynasty, maybe pushing in, you know, a future pick or something like that for. I think he would maybe have shown himself to be a little bit more efficient so far. So maybe he's just good and not a not this elite player that you should be you know over exerting yourself to get. Um, you know, the, the player that I thought you know we we would see a bit more of and I was kind of excited to see was Justin Ross and he's only gotten you know five to I don't even know if he's gotten over 20 percent snap share in a game yet it's really been brutal and he's only gotten a token target here or there and I was kind of hoping that we would at least see what he's capable of he's looked really good albeit in the three to three catches six targets whatever he's got I mean really not much but he has looked good and you know for me it's Really insulting to watch this cadaver, the Tony, continue to get these manufactured touches where it's clearly a contract or front office thing. Because Kadarius Tony is averaging 5.4 yards per catch, not per target, not per rush, per reception. Absolutely awful. Every touch he gets, every opportunity he gets is taking away, literally, I bet you, here's the thing, what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes? Kadarius Tony's what's wrong. You take all of Kadarius Toney's awful stats out of there, and Patrick's probably killing it. Unbelievable. That's how bad the cadaver is. Get him out of here.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it just kind of falls into that... Um you know, a bunch of the same guys who do the same shit. So they're just naturally going to eat into each other. And Kadarius Tony's one of those guys too, right? Yeah. And like, um, just to touch back on that rush sentiment too, just um, like, I think he does, he isn't exempt from that sentiment around wanting to attach to something that isn't there with these Chiefs wide receivers, because the only reason we really drafted him with that third, maybe fourth round, if you got him there, dynasty pick uh, rookie draft pick sorry uh, was because he's a chiefs wide receiver and we're trying to attach to that offense right so we weren't really attaching to him in our rookie drafts because he was something special it was more to do with this offense and yeah I think it's just uh, one big thing that I'm kind of preaching on my shows right now is just expectations right and so in fantasy we feel a lot of disappointment as we go in so if we look and we see the clear picture of what's happening what has happened what we think might happen we can set more realistic expectations and I just think the expectations of any of these wide receivers was just a little bit unrealistic coming in just seeing the sheer amount of them that are there like it's not necessarily a mouse to feed thing but it's just like who's going to be on the field and who's going to break away from the pack when these guys are all fairly similar but to get into justin ross too because i'm not going to talk too much about Kadarius tony because i also think he should just go by the wayside who is the only wide receiver on this team that could profile as that alpha receiver Justin Ross Ross. the only guy with the size right so you had a couple years ago they tried to bring in Josh Gordon because he could be that right now I'm seeing a bunch of trade kind of whispers that people would love to see DeAndre Hopkins go to Kansas City they want that alpha to go there and I mean you're not you might pay up because you are trying to go for that championship but I'm not gonna you know plant my flag in the fact that the Chiefs are gonna trade for an alpha wide receiver so if they're gonna try and look from within Justin Ross has shown nothing but flashes. We've heard Patrick Mahomes give glowing reviews yes. of what he's been able to do. And so I just don't quite understand it. And it's interesting because Patrick Mah- Mahomes put his stamp on the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire draft pick, but Cly- or uh, Justin Ross gets that stamp of approval and he doesn't get more play time, a little bit more run, a um, little bit of opportunity to be the alpha in an area where nobody has emerged as the guy who can earn those targets. And that's the thing is the earning of targets. I feel like he's done some things where he could earn more targets, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe big red hates him or something.
0: Who knows? I mean, I will say that, you know, I will freely admit that it's possible that the ship has sailed on Justin Ross, right? Like that's obviously quite literally, obviously in the, in the cards, because I mean, I mean, He's got six targets on the season, so obviously that's possible. But when you look at his profile starting from his freshman year at Clemson, and if you just sort of pause the music right then and there, you can't believe if you're paying any attention, if you're doing any sort of scouting, if you're doing anything, if I told you that Justin Ross at 23 years old found his way onto the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and it's the best offense and the best quarterback in the world, you'd be like, dude, is he a top five dynasty wide receiver? Like literally, you would have said that when he was a freshman. It's just how it was. So obviously, the injuries and the whole thing and and and, and his medical situation is has sapped him potentially of, of athleticism. I don't know. Maybe it has. Maybe it hasn't. Either way, I think he's a pretty skilled player, and I think you know he sort of reminds me of that George Pickens type. And I feel like if you're going to give Patrick his George Pickens, there he is. And I, I don't know that he's. Uh, you know, and, and and even Pickens is on the DeAndre Hopkins spectrum. Right. But DeAndre Hopkins is a whole, you know, another stratosphere of player. I will freely admit. But, you know, it, it's 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 in the it's in the family. I mean, don't you think? And I'd just love to see him get a chance at, you know, maybe one or two games of, you know, 75 percent snap share. Let him play. Let him run all the routes. Let him see what he can do
1: yeah i like it and the deandre hopkins thing you're totally right it's not far off and maybe just a little bit less yards after the catch maybe a little bit less doing things on his own a little bit more in the contested catch downfield maybe not do a ton after but what those guys can add is a little bit of red zone prowess with the size that they provide i kind of think along the lines of a little bit of t higgins right um t higgins might be like a little bit plus of what that role is but i see in that kind of realm of being that kind of downfield red zone catch radius guy right justin ross can be that but yeah to your point like we're seeing less than a twelve percent uh, route share for him right now. Richie James has a higher route share than him. Justin Watson has a higher route share than him on this team. So, yeah, I think uh, that ship is probably already sailed. If uh, if we don't get on that in the next few games here.
0: He, he is, uh, he does have a 23% target rate. So when he is on the field, he is earning targets. He's just not on, he's not on, he's run 26 routes. You know what I mean? So, I mean, he just hasn't done anything. He hasn't been out there for any reason for any any period of time. He's done absolutely nothing. Um, but I think when he's been out there, he's still shown that he, he's pretty good. I mean, he, he made a nice looking catch. One of his three catches looked pretty good. You know, it's like, fuck. I remember, grasping at straws a little bit. Speaking of grasping at straws, LA Chargers. Uh, boy oh boy.
1: Ooh. Yikes.
0: Ay ay ay. I wow. mean, can it, when when will the chargering stop? I mean, I just wonder like is it ever going to stop? Like Brandon Staley fired tomorrow. Like does the chargering stop after that? I just don't think it does, does it?
1: No, I think it's been like <laughs> Uh, since I started watching football, like every ten years, come through yeah. the Chargers, they've charged right. Since so yeah. like maybe like losing Le, Le, uh, Ladanian Tomlinson was the trigger in that or something like that, because he probably you know supplement supplemented a lot of their downfalls. Obviously, yeah. the Philip Rivers years were big, but yeah, these guys are just like what a snake-bitten team and it's it's so weird because they're not your typical snake-bitten because we come in every single year with high hopes for them like they come into the season looking like they're a super bowl roster yes um injuries just decimate the shit out of them terrible kicking weird shit happening at the end of the game terrible clock management by the coaches um yeah it's just the weirdest thing
0: literally in that game they were like You know, five sacks for the Chargers, zero for the Cowboys here through, you know, almost four quarters of play. And what happens on the final drive? A terrible sack that just takes it. It's like you've been protecting. It's not that they don't protect the quarter. It's like funny. It's like it's almost like they just I don't know, they spaz with the controller or something, you know?
1: Yeah, it's almost like uh, Chuck Knobloch getting the yips back in the 90s, right? (laughs) Like they've got like they've got that um, clutch time of the game yips that hey, just by uh, the way yeah. by
0: the way you know for all of our 20 something year old listeners yeah. who have no fucking clue who chuck knoblock is knoblock starts with a k motherfuckers so go ahead and get that shit googled and youtubed immediately and you will enjoy the chuck knoblock yankees fucking second baseman uh it was it was something man he would he would field a standard issue ground ball and then just throw it in the dugout <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. One morning he just wakes up and forgets how to throw it to first base. Like it's yep. it's it's a, the weirdest phenomenon. Definitely the most extreme case of the yips that I've ever encountered yeah. in my entire life. But yeah, maybe Rick Block is a legend. Yeah, yeah. Rick and thats a good one too. Remember like he would just throw too. it
0: like onto the you know onto the backstop. He just. You know, just it would just be like, oh, well, you could. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, and after yeah. after such a crazy, like, what a story that guy went through too. But uh, yes. I digress. I digress. We are digressing
0: <laughs> a little bit. I did. I do. I do notice that you know, there's a you know, I, at some point I'm gonna have to do a a podcast for with, like all the movies. Like I, you know, I was thinking about Chuck Knobloch. Like it's one of these. God, what was he like he was late 80s or was he early
1: 90s 90s right i think he came in late 80s but i yeah. think he wound down his career when they were having those mid to late 90s world series runs yeah he was part of those paul o'neill yes. jeter teams like those teams yeah
0: we hated paul o'neill for sure as Sox. oh face, yeah paul I, i'm a blue jays like,
1: fan man so fuck both of you
0: yeah his <laughs> stupid face and everything you know remember paul o'neill's stupid face but the one thing if paul o'neill was on your team you liked him because you know he'd punch anybody immediately for no fucking reason like yeah he's got your back Um, but I was thinking about the curly
1: mullet you don't fuck with the curly mullet yeah
0: he just had like a pockmarked face and the whole thing like he's six foot five like you're just like fuck that guy I'm I'm not toiling with that dude but I was thinking like I, I manage a sales team and all my like the people that are you know on my team are like between 21 and like 30 and like, I'll usually bring up these references as I do, you know what I mean? I'll just be like, Hey, you know, and then they'll be like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know? And it's like, uh, you know, I'll be like, Oh yeah, I got a pool. I got a pond and a pool pool. Be, a pond will be good for you. You know? And they're like, no, 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 don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's like fucking caddyshack, you asshole. You <laughs> yeah. know? So I do this and I'm thinking, what are the essentials I need to tell my, cause I'm thinking my target audience and for this show is, you know, guys 20 to 20, 29 years old. That's who's listening. How you doing, guys? Everybody, you know, everybody listening's like, yeah, that's me. And they also haven't seen Caddyshack, so we need to fucking rectify this and make sure all all these uh, all these listeners seen all the movies. So I got to do the essential like seventies, eighties, and nineties movies that these motherfuckers need to go see. Am I right?
1: I love it. I would be soaking that list up too. Not not <laughs> a professed movie buff by any means, but those classics with the one liners like Lebowski, Dumb and Dumber, like all yes. of that shit. Like you have to be well versed in those to yes. proceed in life. Like, I don't know how people proceed in life without knowing dumb and dumber quotes, to be completely
0: yes. honest. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You might want to hang on to that one. Uh, yeah, like yeah, exactly. So, all right. Back, back to the Chargers. So, I, it got me thinking, Trav, because I was like, um, you know, we were talking earlier in the show about, okay, well, what am I going to do with my team? I'm trying to make some moves, and I'll let this one out of the bag a little bit. I think Eckler is an absolute win now, uh, you know, target for me. Like, because whomever is rostering him hasn't had him all season their team might be struggling and scuffling they might be wondering when they can get off of him they might be willing to sell him a little light they might sell him like if i held jameer gibbs right now and i offered you you know jameer gibbs for eckler in your second you'd be like that could be a good fucking way to get off this situation here and you know re-roll to to gibbs so i think you could probably get situations like that i don't you know, maybe who knows what else, you know, you could do. I don't know. But there's definitely a lot of trades that you could make for Eckler. And lastly, the schedule is fucking unbelievable for the Chargers. Um, you know, if you just look down the schedule, I mean, it, it is really, really juicy for Eckler. And even if he doesn't get the rushing, he's going to get targets, too. So he's sort of insulated. As long as he's healthy, he's going to be a really nice player down the stretch. So as much as the Chargers are charging, I really love Eckler as a dynasty sort of win now piece here uh, especially his last game wasn't you know he didn't go off so it's he's still kind of secret.
1: Yeah, I think he's the perfect perfect piece for that, right? Just like you said, you know, he's going to get that volume. We have seen that Josh Kelly is not going to solidify himself as somebody who's going to take any of that rushing volume, That's specifically sure. the red zone volume that's been extremely lucrative for Austin Eckler, which is kind of rare for a guy who's a bit of an undersized running back, right? And that's part of the um, mystique, let's say, of Austin Eckler as one of those little bit of a unicorn, right? Who does some things that his yeah. profile would suggest that he shouldn't be doing. Um, so not. yeah, I think that um you know, the uh, carry share is wide open for him to take a big part of it. And we know that target share is going to be there um, on a team that we know is snake bitten and really is going to need to lean on him coming back from that injury. Yeah, I think he is a primo buy. And then if you're one of those teams, like I said, like four and one team, well, if you have Eckler, you might not be a four and one team, right? But if you're four and one and it's a fickle four and one, you got yeah. him coming back, you definitely are going to want to sell that off, right? Because you, Dynasty Leagues, you're in it for the long haul. So you want to to. to set yourself up for that future and then doing stuff like that and things like what you did in compiling all those draft picks is just such an advantage at draft time such an advantage you see that in those first rounds you have like eight picks first two rounds you have like eight picks or something but like you can really map out what you want to do with your roster in that rebuild whereas yes. if you go in with one or two and you didn't make these uh trades to sell off some of those bigger assets you're really hamstrung from the jump so highly encourage going out and trying to do that if you are sitting there with one elite running back and a bunch of dog shit behind them yeah. um just cut your losses right and uh, yeah. pull that band-aid off sooner rather than later
0: yeah, any of the rebuilds that I have, I, like I I don't have running backs. This past week it was funny, man. I had no running backs. I was starting I, I think I took some I, I think I put some guys at, you know, in, in one of these rebuilds. I think I had like I don't know, like Boston Scott and fucking I don't know, it was really bad, you know. And like so now I, that team had Boston – excuse me, uh Jordan Mason, uh like Craig Reynolds, nice. And uh and Keonta Ingram and I'm like, "Please someone take these points off my roster immediately." Like I'll sell for whatever. I don't. I just don't want them on my roster. Please, I'm not trying to sell high or anything. Just please take these motherfuckers because they're going to score too much for me. I want a better pick. You know. So it's like I'm trying to sell off all these running backs, and I'm not doing the same thing with with the wide receivers that I have. You know, I'm, I'm fine holding a Gabe Davis or whatever. You know, it's not like he's gonna. Turn into a pumpkin, um you know, a young receiver. If obviously anything older, I will I will look to sell. But
1: anyway attached to a good quarterback too, right? And so that's yeah. a, with him, right? Like a, a a young wide receiver in a good situation. Those are the guys that you want to keep on your roster, um, as opposed to selling those guys off.
0: Yeah, and the, the running back position is so fickle that I, I don't really think there's any. There's there's maybe a handful. Maybe you can count on one hand the running backs that you can count on. For beyond two years, like, you know, like this year, next year, twenty twenty five, like, what are the running backs that you're like? No, no, they'll be there in twenty five. Like, you may think it, but you're not sure at all. Bijan,
1: Bijan, that's it, (laughs) right? It's Bijan.
0: Maybe JT, like, yeah, you know, like Brees, but it gets thin after a few guys, you know. And that's why when I say Eckler, it's like, well. Eckler's probably amongst the guys that this year, next year are kind of locked into this year, next year. So two year window, Eckler's as good a asset as you can have. The only thing that's a little bit harder is that he's hard to resell. You know what I mean? You might have to hang on to him for a bit, And but Hey, whatever, you know what I mean? If you can, if you can, if you can win, that's all that matters. And speaking of not winning, I, I want you to do a little uh, fill in the blank for me. You ready? You feeling this? Hey, yeah. Quentin Johnston is a blank
1: work in progress Mm, um
0: that's nice of you you must be canadian
1: i'm being nice yeah i'm definitely being nice and like i don't know i just think it's i'm not ready to make an indictment on him after um after six games you know what i mean Uh, definitely understand that he should have emerged through this mike williams injury i get it i do however maybe there's a little canadian bias here but i do think josh palmer is a little bit better than people give him credit for has yeah. a little bit more of that trust with justin herbert and i think that's what he brings is kind of the more intangible thing that he's got that trust he's been with justin herbert for a couple of years now uh, where quinton johnston's just trying to come into an offense that's fairly established for the last few years right like these pieces have been here um, yeah so I think uh, I think there's going to be some better days ahead for Quentin Johnston. I you know if if he's cheap enough, I would think about going to buy him. And the reason there yeah, is because Mike no. Williams, right. like Mike Williams he just got hurt he's done for the season that's not the first time that's happened to him uh if they cut him after this year they can save eight million so i think it's like i think he's like a 12 million dollar cap hit and they can save 20 or something like that um and so they can save a little bit of money quentin johnson's got some size where he can step into some of that mike williams role as well which i was super excited about mike williams coming into this season i thought we were going to potentially see that like fifth year breakout from him because there was going to be some serious volume there but obviously that didn't come fruition with the injury so he'll get back soon but i honestly think we might have seen the last snap of mike williams on the chargers i think he probably gets let go before june 1st next year so they can save some of that cheddar then they have a young rookie with some size who can potentially fill that role for much cheaper um, yeah. and that allows you know they can always retool that position and stuff like that right but i think um I think Quentin Johnson's a decent little dynasty buy for his age, but you do have to be ready for him to be one of those flops, right? Because not every wide receiver in the draft class is going to succeed. Statistically, some of these guys are going to fall off, and he's looking like he's one of those guys right now. But I'm just trusting in the offense, trusting in that he's got some talent, and trusting in that eventually he will emerge because they're going to want to make that concerted effort.
0: Yeah, I think you're I think you're saying it well. I, I So I sold Quentin Johnson. I had only, I think, one share, and I think I'm now zero share, zero care, but uh, the one share I sold, I sold to a Charger fan right after Mike Williams got hurt. For check this, Devonta Adams and two thirds.
1: No, yeah, dude, straight up for Quentin yeah. Johnston. Yeah, dude. Wow, did you buy that person dinner first?
0: It was so funny because, dude, the league chat was, of course, so pissed. You'll love this, right? So, so the the league chat is all pissed off, right? And uh, and it said, someone said, um, I can't believe there isn't even a first in that. You know what I mean? And I go, yeah, man. I didn't even ask for one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is yeah, they beautiful. Like,
0: They're all like, "Not you, asshole!" And I, of course, I knew what they meant. You know, just but I was like, ultimate, "Yeah, man, I, yeah." I just fucking did it straight up. I thought it was fair enough this way, man. You just know, throwing like, my buddy
1: a bone over here, yeah. Just yeah. helping
0: brother out. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so, so wow, anyway, like, well done when 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 there was hotness you you should have been selling and of course I was hot potato with that motherfucker I was trying to get him off but now that 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 you're you're where you're at I think buying for the equivalent of a future second is the price that I would pay at most yeah. um, it, it, so some people here buy and you're like yeah I agree buy but for what I would not pay anywhere close to the value of a first round pick future first round rookie pick I would only pay the value of a second because we he look he was a late first round pick so I'm not going to let you reroll him into that same value because his value has dropped. So if you're going to take the discount, especially if it's a projected late second, sure, absolutely. I think it's worth a stab at this particular point. Although I am dubious. I do think he's more likely not good than good, but at the same point, we know very, very little about, you know, these things and it, these things can change pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's concerning. And so therefore, if you're not getting a discount, Uh, Leave him where he is. But if you're going to get a good enough discount, sure, I I can see buying back in, especially on a rebuilder.
1: Yeah, well, I think the price is potentially never going to get lower, right? And if it does get lower, then there's no reason to even look, right? So, like, you'll find that window. Like, right now is where there is the will to buy, right? So, the next step for him is he's going to outprice what he is right now. Or you're not even going to be looking at him as somebody you're willing to to acquire, right? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be curtains,
0: right? That's right. Yeah. And I
1: honestly, like, I would probably be looking at taking a bit of an overperforming wide receiver right now and trading him to that Quentin Johnson team, right? Because they're getting nothing out of them. Out of them, they might want that bench depth guy for some of these upcoming bye weeks. So as opposed to maybe trading draft capital, I might actually look at trading one of these overperforming wide receivers and Um, maybe get a
0: plus back, right? So like exactly
1: plus back, right? Sure. Totally. Yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. That's not crazy. I mean, um, you know, we'll talk about a couple of those potential overperforming wide receivers in a moment. Um, But I I did want to get – you are an Eagle fan. Yes. And, you know, obviously, you know, I don't like that. I mean, there's so much (laughs) about you that is so nice. But the fact that you and Michael P. Philadelphia P. Duncan are – yeah, representing the Philadelphia Eagles is really embarrassing for the brand, for everything that we really represent. But no, I'm joking. Um, Uh, You
1: want to talk about embarrassing? Let's take a little trip to New England there, my man.
0: (laughs) So my my feelings, look, I'll say it one more time because I don't know if you heard me say it. I'll say it again. I am ready to cut the cord on Bill Belichick. I am. I'm ready. I hear that. And And I'm not like trying to be reactionary. I'm not trying to be anything. I'm saying like, I'm the owner of the team and I have to do what's best for my franchise. Look, I may have a conversation with them. I'll say, hey, listen, how are we going to do this? This is it. We're we're done. Like, just let me know how you want to get there because I I, I don't know how that conversation goes, but we're doing this. You know, and ultimately what has to happen is this team needs to bottom out. And, And by bottom out, I just mean shed salary for the future years, not for this year. I don't give a shit about this year. I just care about next year and the year after. I care about trying to put myself in position to draft a quarterback on a, on a on a rookie scale contract, whether it be Drake May or Caleb Williams. That would be ideal if I could get up that that high, which look, if we don't win another game, that helps. So I think <laughs> not winning is a priority. It really, I mean, it sounds crazy, but like, you know, people say, like, oh, you can't tank and thing; it's too hard. And, you know, these guys are competing for their careers. And I get all that. But I own the team. So I'll do whatever the fuck I want. I'm starting you know, bring in Nathan Peterman. He's or whatever, you know what I mean? Like I'm going (laughs) to figure out, I'll fucking figure out how to lose. We're doing that. And if Bill don't want to be part of that, you can fucking resign right now, brother. But that's what the fuck we're doing. And you're not part of next year's plan. I'm going after Ben Johnson in Detroit. I'm going to back up a truck full of money. He's going to come in. In this league, you need a young quarterback who's, you know, multi-dimensional, you know, or really elite processor, you know, as we've seen with Stroud and Burrow and all these guys. And you need, if possible, one of these play callers, these elite play calls, the Shanahan's, the Mike McDaniel's, right? This is the this is the, the 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 way that you win in this league. Look, Ben Johnson is taking what many people think is not the best offense in the league in terms of talent, and they're the third best offense on a per play basis. Like that is a fucking dope offense and checks notes. Jared Goff running that motherfucker. So, <laughs> seriously, a lot of people don't think he's worth his shit. And Detroit's running all over people. So, you know, build through the lines, get me some Ben Johnson, get me a quarterback in the draft. I know it all sounds like too easy, but if it's too easy, then fucking do it
1: yeah exactly and that innovative play caller is just so integral to all of it and it's not only necessarily from the scheme and the play calling but it's the ability to nurture that quarterback within the system right and so we look over in Miami and see what Tua is doing right now with Mike McDaniel I don't think Tua's talent profile is up to the level of what he's producing at right now necessarily Um, you strip away some of those weapons you strip away Mike McDaniel's offense and I think we see what Tua really is not saying he's a bad quarterback right um, but I don't think he's an elite quarterback and he's damn you're performing that way right now within this offense so yeah it's just it's insane what that guy can do for that quarterback even to an extent uh the team we were going to talk about before i had to troll your new england patriots um those philadelphia eagles and nick sirianni coming in and really letting Jalen Hurts feel comfortable and be the starting quarterback for that team. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, outside of dogging on those Patriots, you're exactly right. Like it's not the nineties anymore, Bill, we need to find some innovative offense well, and, and push this thing give, into I'll the more, trav. I'll
0: give you one more yeah. trap. So like, you know, me and Dan, uh, Bradley, AWL, sabermetrics, metrics. We, we were in the private chat and we're fucking locking horns and he thinks I'm a fucking idiot for this take. And I respect what he's saying. But I said, like, also the the fact that Bill has been a front office, you know, nightmare, like Juju over Jacoby Myers, like the whole thing. Like, you know, you can just trade, you know. I mean, Nikhil Harry over AJ Brown. I, I saw uh, AJ Brown interview just recently saying he cried when he wasn't fucking drafted by the Patriots. I cried when I saw that he cried. You know, I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck. So, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of mistakes. And, you know, y- you can say maybe we would have made that mistake if we were there or who knows what. I- I'm not absolving myself. I'm just saying that he hasn't been great in the front office either. And so, the the point is is that with Bill you get him as a GM too, and right now I think that needs to be something that is looked at as well and becoming a little bit more modern, and you know looking at you know more speed and you know just building teams in a different way than they've been able to do it because obviously fucking Devonte Parker, Juju Smith Schuster, Kendrick Bourne, Mike Gesicki, Hunter Henry, Ezekiel Elliott ain't it in twenty twenty three? Let me just fucking tell you that.
1: No, and all those fat contracts to the tight ends and shit like that, yeah. whatever the hell he's done with his coordinator positions, putting a defensive coordinator in an offensive coordinator last year. I couldn't even tell you who their coordinators are this year. It's probably like a water boy and then Bill's niece or something like that. No yes. clue. And Bill um, O'Brien's chin. Oh yeah, Billy O is back Billy there. O. That's probably but, a but great You're right. Like all it.
0: these things in a vacuum are fireable offenses. The only reason he's still not fired is because he's one of the most legendary coaches of all time. That's not a good enough reason unless you're just like, "Well, I don't care about winning. We just want to kind of watch this fucking scene." But nobody wants to watch this scene. Like all the, you know, season ticket holders, all the people who care about the team don't want to watch this. Now, I'm not complaining because, you know, we've had a, a, a you know, an amazing winning streak. I'm just saying like if you actually want to win, this is not the pathway in my opinion to travel, but the pathway to win is in your Philadelphia Eagles. But they lost to the lowly Jets, the one team that we could beat. You can't beat this fucking Jets team with, uh, check's notes, Zach fucking Wilson. Uh, it, look, is this a panic game or a total relax game? Don't even worry about it.
1: No, we're relaxing a little bit. We're relaxing a little bit. Like we are, uh, definitely our eyebrows are a little bit raised on the team for sure. I will say that, but we're not super, super panicked. And I will say that the Niners losing to the Browns probably uh, relieved a little bit of the agony that I would have felt on Sunday night. But let me tell you, I was saying some choice words to my television during that game. Um, yeah, I think we just we need to relax a little bit, right? Like it's yeah. um it's early in the season. Uh there is newfound vigor within that run game. Uh and so I think that's impacting some things. And it just seems like the the gel and the rhythm isn't quite there yet. True um, that. And so I'm just uh, as a fan, I'm just hoping they do that at the right time. And I think we've seen some positive signs from the offense, but uh, there are some guys we might need to be shifting our expectations on too.
0: Yeah, well, one of those guys is maybe Jalen Hurts. I you know, all I'm saying is that Jalen Hurts 2023 stats very very closely resemble his 2021 stats in terms of you know efficiency and you know uh, touchdown percentage the whole thing right across you just look he looks he looks a lot like 2021 Jalen Hurts statistically I'm not saying on the field I'm saying statistically and my question is which one is he more likely is he more likely the 23 21 guy or is he 22 guy in hiding? And we'll see that sort of reemerge again, sort of the same question I asked about Mahomes in some sort of way.
1: Yeah, I think he can probably, and this is totally a fence ride and answer, but I think he can, uh, I think he can settle somewhere in between, right? Like I think, um, Let's not forget that there was a lot of sharp people who had major concerns about Jalen Hurts being a franchise quarterback going into last year, right? Um, And so I I don't think all of that stuff is just gone, right? All of the potential drawbacks of him as a franchise quarterback, those are still potentially under there. Yes, he can improve, and I think he did. Um, But I also think from 2022, having a little bit of regression from what he did last year is just something that's bound to happen, right? Uh, I think both of the last two seasons he ran for double-digit touchdowns. Um, that could happen again with some of the uh, some of those goal-line plays that they like to do. But I do, like I said, see a lot more focus on that run game, uh, getting DeAndre yeah. Swift in there. Kenneth Gainwell is so pesky in the red zone and near the goal line. It's like, okay, DeAndre Swift just ran it for 30 yards to get you inside the five. Let's throw Kenneth Gainwell in. And that goes back to last year, too, with Miles Sanders and stuff like yeah. that. So, um Regardless of that, just kind of the increased focus on the run game, slowing the pace down a little bit too, um, has really impacted what he's been doing and his scoring potential really.
0: Yeah, I mean, they they didn't score anything, you know, from like, what was it, like the early second quarter for the whole game against the Jets? I mean, got to get a field goal, mix a fucking field goal in there for Christ's that sake. That Jets
1: though. defense, man, was playing so good for not having any good. of the corners either. They were yeah. doing a really good job pressuring him and getting in his kitchen, not letting him get outside and get any big runs. Um, So yeah, hats off to the Jets, but yeah, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the best performance. That pick near the end of the game was... Oh, set me off, buddy. Set me off. Yeah, That
0: was, that was not, that was not a good look. Um, it's, it's, it's the, the old saying any given Sunday. Right. And, um, I, I tend to agree with that. You know, we get so wrapped up in the small sample because that's all we get, right. We get one game a week and it's important. And then it's something totally different the next week. And we've seen it, you know, with so many teams, you know, the Cowboys get smoked, then they smoke someone else, you know? So it's just like, okay, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're okay. Um, In terms of maybe not being okay, I wonder, you know, if they're going to be a little slower, if they're going to be a little more run centric, should we be worried about any of the three pass catchers? I mean, the one good thing is they're very, you know, condensed, you know, uh, you know, uh, passing tree with, you know, just A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith and and Dallas Goddard. But are you worried about any of these three guys In in a fantasy lens? Obviously not for your football team. They're fucking awesome. But, you know, does one of them concern you even whether it be down the stretch this year or even in Dynasty in general? Are you worried about any of them?
1: Well, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to say worried just because of the expectations that I had. Like I said, like I think – um I think I had some reasonable expectations for these guys but I do want to touch before I get into why yeah. I'm not necessarily worried just some of that play volume stuff that I was talking about jacks I think that is Please. some of the impact that we're seeing um so the the funniest thing about all of this I was just kind of looking what the hell's happening with the Eagles right through 6 weeks right now they have run the exact same amount of plays as they did through 6 weeks last year 447 wow. plays exactly that was just the wildest piece that I pulled from that wow. um, but this year this year the difference is that they've run the ball 40 more times than they did at this point last year so huge focus a lot of that is the effectiveness of deandre swift right like we've watched them previously they are so they've been so inefficient as runners like miles sanders has spurts and you get that overreaction after that really big week that he has and then he's just dog shit for the next three right and so you know that's crazy too
0: that's crazy too because like last year they were in so many positive game scripts you were like oh, they're definitely going to throw more this year, at least as much because they've got to be in as many close games. And they kind of have been, but yet still have run more because of the success of – deandre swift and their running attack so very interesting stuff there that's interesting continue please
1: yeah and like with miles last year the volume was always so fluctuating that his production just always felt kind of fickle right it was on the back of getting big plays Uh, he actually learned how to hit a hole which was really nice for him (laughs) to learn how to do that a couple years into his career and so yeah he kind of got by on some of those big plays and some of those targets Uh, but we're seeing that deandre swift is getting by on talent plus all of that stuff that's around him which as a fan you'd love to find I can see that so yeah um, and I don't know if that that kind of play volume piece has had a huge detriment on these guys as far as their volume because AJ Brown top five in targets uh, Devontae Smith just outside the top 20 Dallas Goddard inside of the top 10 but I think it's those expectations coming in whereas Dallas Goddard's just not going to make that top five leap for us he's just not going to do and his talent and everything that you see him do when you watch him have his big games tells you that this guy should be a top five every week tight end just like a tier below your travis kelsey mark andrews type guys but he just hasn't been that because of the team's offense and maybe jalen hurts running the ball a little bit more and stuff so we just have to you know not expect dallas goddard to be that if he sneaks into the back of the top five that's Mm -hmm. great um but it was probably on the back of a bunch of spike weeks and a bunch of inconsistency um so yeah, like not worried, but totally understand that drafters would probably be worried. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they expected him to be that top five guy. They expected Devontae Smith to come in and have that one B to AJ Brown's one A resurgence or um progression to the next level, let's say. And he's just not he's not gonna be that, right? He yeah. um I think what people were latching on to was that over the past last five weeks of last season, he basically took you to the championship. He was the wide receiver three in those last five weeks. But people are also forgetting that the five weeks prior to that, he was the wide receiver 32. So he was always going to come with some inconsistency. And I think where people were drafting him this season, uh, people were expecting that consistency to come based off what happened last year, not seeing this kind of reinsertion of that run game. So it sucks for sure. I love when he's producing. What he did at the end of last year was so much fun to watch and great to be a part of for fantasy football. Uh, He is hurting the wide receiver two spot on one of my main leagues right now. Um, But I'm willing to stay the course because I know some of those spike weeks are going to come i just i'm not expecting him to vault into that borderline mm-hmm. top 12 wide receiver echelon that some people might have thought that he could do. yeah
0: well look he was a top 10 wide receiver yep. in, in fantasy last year was Devonte smith and one guy we're not worried about is aj brown holy guacamole batman dude he has been fucking so good dude like it, you know in his time in tennessee you know he um he averaged uh 69 nice uh, nice. Yards per game over his three years in Tennessee. You know, he topped out at uh, just over a thousand yards, just under 1,100 yards in his best season. You know, it was pretty good. Um, but last year blew up for 88 yards a game. This year he's averaging 112 yards a game. He's on a pace for 170 targets. Like he had, a, he, oh. he, he, dude, his best target, you know, total target um, was 106 in Tennessee. Last year 145. This year on a pace for 170. I don't think he gets to 170. (laughs) Jesus, maybe he might. You know, it's just so good. He's been so so dominant. Uh, His catch rate, even on increased targets, is at at a career high. Um, You know, he's been 63, 62 percent this year. 70 percent catch rate. 11.2 yards per target over 10.2 in his time in Tennessee. So just absolutely killing it is AJ Brown, and uh, so don't worry about AJ Brown, but at the expense of the other two. His success has come.
1: Yeah, he's just like big brother in DBs out there, making them yes. look silly. Hey, and it's awesome, right? And like, I was devastated when he got drafted to Tennessee because that offense was just not conducive to great wide receiver production but he showed that he can produce on his talent independent of the situation that's around him we're seeing him do that even in a good situation like what he does after the catch at his size is just so insane to watch and it's such a huge part of his production too so yeah I think AJ Brown um does a lot of his stuff on his own and I think that just makes his value safe right he makes his production something that you can bet on safely because you know yeah. Jalen Hurts is going to give him the volume yeah. to allow that talent it's to so shine true. so yeah AJ uh AJ Brown man like <clears throat> it was we- like Christmas when they traded for him it was yeah, like totally. fucking totally. Christmas and they yeah. traded Traylon Burks for him like you yeah. and maybe and I think it was a third round pick too like, and it was obviously it was a first in the third, but you do that. Yeah, it was basically that, pick that they took. He was an established alpha wide receiver already. You're giving up a young wide receiver that needs time to develop. And a third round pick that they're probably going to miss on anyway. So,
0: and, and um, you know, you know who made that pick possible was Jalen hurts himself because at the time uh, they weren't paying him. you know, obviously they had to pay him at the end of the last season or whatever it was. But at the moment, I don't think they had a contract for hurts if I remember correctly. Um, but anyway, um, how about um, you know, and and now with AJ Brown, I wonder if he like we took him out of that like wide receiver three in dynasty spot, you know, because it was like ah, he's a little too old and yada, yada, maybe he is the dynasty wide receiver three. I mean, he's good enough to be that, and he's I know he's a little bit older, but my gosh, and you know, may, maybe so. He, he's certainly in that conversation. Um, someone who was trying to make their way into the top ten. Dynasty wide receiver conversation by some of our contemporaries this offseason was someone that I was out on was Calvin Ridley. After week one, I thought I was going to eat, eat all my words, but uh, not looking as good lately. I mean, he's I think he's like getting 40 some odd targets so far, but it's like kind of like him and Kirk. And he's been behind Kirk almost every single week, uh, you know, over the past three or four weeks. So what, what's going on with, with Calvin Ridley? Do you think that you would want to be buying back in now, thinking that it's going to turn back around and we'll see more weeks like week one? Or is this maybe just sort of what it is?
1: I think this is what it is. And, you know, this. I think this t- target distribution was always going to be a little bit spread out. Um, as far as buying Calvin Ridley, a little bit older wide receiver, came into the league a little bit older, um, is not the alpha that people think that he is right he had some alpha seasons but that was in like that um the hell was his name Dirk cutter offense in atlanta that was a really nice offense he was a part of i think he was a part of the kyle shanahan days in atlanta um but either way he was attached to matt ryan which is like the ultimate distributor right and so matt ryan distributed calvin ridley's way to a great season that year in atlanta i will give him that but yeah this year man boomer super boomer bust he's got two games inside the top 10 that's weeks one and week five uh the other four games he's been outside the top 30 um, hasn't been without the target volume like he said he is top 10 in targets top 20 among wideouts in air yards but even with all that he's sitting as the wide receiver 25 through six weeks exactly. uh, super disappointing with drafting him i think i saw him up as early as like second third rounds potentially which was a little bit bananas as i was watching it unfold but um you know you, you saw that kind of production in that year with atlanta and yeah. i think the thing with ridley is that Unlike AJ Brown, his production was not really very much tied to his talent, right? He's not good after the catch. He is bad in contested catch situations. Um, And he just kind of gets by on those air yards and those deep targets. And so I think those are a little bit fickle, not really necessarily sticky from year to year, let alone offense to offense after missing a year. So um, always been a guy that needed those downfield targets and red zone work. Um, Talk about that 2020 season he was the wide receiver five and led the league in deep targets and he was number two in red zone targets. So I think that just solidifies that he really needs those. I call them lucrative opportunities, Jacks. and yeah. for wide receivers. Those are deep targets and red zone targets, right? The ones that are going to lead to those big pop-off plays where you can have one single play score you, you know, double digit points for fantasy football. He really needs those lucrative opportunities and he's not getting them because they're spread around. Like you look in the red zone in Jacksonville and Zay Jones, get him inside the 20s, a top five receiver in the NFL, um, get him between the 20s and he's like a middling guy at best. And so um, they have specific guys who take specific roles in that offense and Calvin Ridley's still trying to find his place.
0: Yeah, totally. I look, he's had one season above 60 yards per game like that's it like he's never really been an alpha he had he had the one season the 2020 you said it you know and and other than that he's been okay and and you also said the other key thing which is that he came in as an old prospect and it's not that that makes him good or bad it just makes the the ramp up like in other words he needed to come in and kind of dominate right away and he played opposite julio and we weren't exactly sure what that meant like you know but yeah, he, he's only seen hundred targets once in his career. Like, there's just a lot of stuff here where it's like, dude, he's already going to be thirty, and I, I don't I don't see it as a, as a dynasty player. I kind of wanted nothing to do with him. Um, I traded for him in one league uh, after week one. I kind of feel like a sucker. I mean, you know, I, I I I I was totally out. And then listen to this after week one, I traded Christian Watson for him straight up. Hurts a little bit, maybe
1: I don't Ooh. know. I don't think so. Like with what Maybe. I'm a big, I'm a Watson fan. Like I love Christian Watson. I think he can um, be a solid receiver, but one of those guys who gets by on that lucrative volume as well. Yeah. Um, so I don't hate that trade whatsoever.
0: Yeah. It wasn't bad. I mean, I, you know, just, after, you know, week one, I'm like, maybe I made this this league winning trade and then he's been kind of dog shit ever since. So maybe, I who knows, you know. <laughs> I think he he'll does.
1: bounce back a little bit. Like, I don't think he's going to be stuck in, no. the, in the cellar like this, right? I think he'll probably bounce back to being like that top 24 receiver by the end of season. Yeah. Um, but just maybe I mean, a little bit less sexy than we were hoping.
0: My fear was exactly what it is. I mean, this is one that I saw pretty, pretty clearly was that I thought there were other target earners on the team and that is Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk and even Zay Jones, who's been out. So when Zay comes back, I don't know exactly what happens. You know, I mean, they were basically early on when Zay and uh, Ridley were both, uh, you know, healthy, um, it was Kirk who was sort of seeing limited snap share, you know. So but now that they're, you know, Christian Kirk and Ridley are on the field, Kirk is seeing a higher target percentage than Ridley. So it's like kind of interesting. I wonder what will happen, you know, when all three are healthy. And then when all three are healthy and you you have Evan Ingram and a, The guy we're going to get to right now, which is Travis Etienne, it makes it difficult because there's that, quote unquote, lot of mouths to feed. But ultimately, there's just a lot of target earners is all I'm getting at. Um, Speaking of target earners, look, Travis Etienne now is the is the running back three after six weeks in the NFL. Um, My goodness. I mean, I love that Etienne as a prospect is is now a good time to sell or are you basically holding here?
1: Uh, I am holding, or I might even be willing to buy high, Jax to be completely honest wow, with you. I love this. Loved him coming in. The skill set is just a big play waiting to happen. And I don't even know if we've seen him like scratch the surface of that fully just yet. Like I think he probably could make a lot more explosive plays than what he has been. But what we're seeing, if I would have told you at the beginning of this year, that Travis Etienne through six weeks has the most rushing attempts of any running back in the NFL, (laughs) you probably would have thought I was fucking nuts. Yes. Uh, And he does. And he's still top 10 within running back targets. And I think those are fairly safe because the wide receivers that you mentioned, they are some lower average depth of target guys, but I don't think any of them present that kind of safety net that Travis Etienne does out of the backfield, especially with his college quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Um, So just seeing the usage that Doug Peterson is giving him, which is not necessarily something that we expected of Doug Peterson as well notorious running back committee guy way back to his Eagles days that was infuriating when you just wanted Jay Ajayi to fucking break out and he wasn't um but now Travis Etienne's just getting all the pie and it's what you love to see right so um I usually evaluate my dynasty teams in that kind of three to four year window uh and I think Travis Etienne's three to four window three to four year window looks just as good as any running back aside from a few
0: it's true. I mean, he is a little bit older. I think uh, we came out as a senior. We all thought. I, I know you remember. You, we were busy in the in the Twitter streets for that uh, JT draft. Just remember that we could have had um, <clears throat> Chuba Hubbard, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris in that draft with Acres and Swift and Dobbins and Taylor and Ceh and Gibson and all the rest of it. Uh, AJ Dillon was in that draft. The whole thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So yeah, that was a that was a monster monster running back draft and uh, could have been could have been even that much more had etn come out um you know in hindsight he was the first or second best i mean it's back to taylor and swift are number one and number two it was
1: j it was probably jt and etn that we would probably be debating as opposed to Clyde edward Taylor, right travis etn on imagine him on the fucking chiefs like that would have been next level um but yeah i don't want to get hot and bothered here i mean dude we could do
0: that over i could talk about that and think about that draft pick Forever, because I remember watching the draft, sitting there, and I, of course, I have the receipt, the live receipt of, like, just the eye roll, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like... Like literally, you know, you have DeAndre Swift, who's obviously now proven he would have been pretty good in that fucking offense too. And mm-hmm. JT in that offense, dude. I mean, it's like, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, but instead JT. You know what I mean? It's yeah.
1: like, come on, dude. Like way sicker.
0: Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, way sicker. Um, look, my boy Trevor Lawrence, I've been super, super high on Trevor, you know, the whole way through, especially, you know, as soon as he showed himself in the pros. I mean, look, after year one, I was kind of definitely nervous because, you know, you are what you are. You know, if you can't get it done, you're not getting it done. But, you know, he he was a tale of two players, you know, last year, first half and last year, second half, including that playoff comeback win. So, you know, I thought he really showed out last year this year. eh? you know, I mean, I think he's playing really well and maybe some of this is hidden. Do you kind of agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think it's just some of the mistakes are really highlighted and they kind of overshadow some of the stretches of really good play, right? Like sometimes he'll make some shitty play where he's getting out of the pocket and there's no receiver in sight, but he tries to do like a little T Rex throw just so it's a forward pass and it's a fumble or something like that. I think those and maybe the time in the game that those happen kind of overshadow when he's been dealing for the first two and a half quarters previously because there are stretches where he looks like he is absolutely generational and the guy that was promised. Um, So I'm still in – like I I love Trevor Lawrence. I'm still in and I think he can – maybe take that next step. Um, But yeah, some of the signs are a little bit tough. Jax, he hasn't finished inside the top 10 since week one. Yeah, A lot of those mistakes like I'm talking about. Um, So a bit of a mixed bag for our fantasy emotions. Um, Sounds like mine and yours here because we're both kind of invested in T-Law. So I think uh, he's got a really good situation around him with an owner that's willing to invest in the team. Great coach. Seems like they're solidified and kind of cemented in there for the next little bit, but we know how that can go. Then the weapons are pretty good around him, so I think yeah. uh, I think some better, some more consistently top level days are ahead for Trevor Lawrence.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And if, if I'm that front office and that that team, I'm certainly focused on offensive line help next year and and, and defense. I mean, you know, you're right. The weapons are fine. ETN's fine. I mean. Even the tank Bigsby pick probably you know doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, it didn't make yeah. any sense to me. It makes even less sense to me now. Like it made sense to me if the people who were fading ETN were right that maybe they didn't you know like ETN. ETN isn't good. And look, if they had been all been right, which you weren't, motherfuckers. Um, if they had been <laughs> right, no. But if they had been right, that pick makes a lot more sense, right? Because it's like, yeah, man, he's not good, and they needed someone, and yada yada. Other than that, I, I just don't understand picking a running back at really at all in the draft early unless you're like pretty fucking sure they're dope. like you know Yeah, what I mean? like, and
1: they have to be a guy who you see potentially getting some Snarters, star, starter snaps down Snarters. the line. And some snarter snaps, yeah. <laughs> um, getting those started. Yeah, totally. And Kank Bigsby was never going to be that. The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause there is their willingness to draft another body. In that backfield um so i do think from a dynasty perspective there could be them dipping their toes into the market to try and get a bit of a second fiddle to maybe not have him be the league leader in rushing attempts but i think like i said Jax, there is efficiency um left on the table for travis Etienne. i think he leaves a little bit on a meat left on the bone sometimes um and so if that does happen with another guy being inserted he will really have to get that meat off of the bone to continue what he's doing Um, but i don't think it's out of the question
0: yeah no, I think you're I think you're right. And now, speaking of meat and bone, now the time that everybody has waited for. They knew it was coming. They knew I was gonna mention fucking guy that is changing fortunes in Houston, the CJ Stroud situation. Um, I I am I look, pre-draft, I was like, I think CJ Stroud's the best fucking quarterback. Like NFL talking you know not you know when you when you see a guy like anthony richardson you have to go oh wait a minute you know let me think about fantasy but outside of fantasy i was like no i think it's cj strap like what the- how is he not the one 101 and you know s2 and lots of fucking nonsense and stories and and then bryce young does go one-on-one and my resolve got shooken a little bit i'm not gonna lie but i i am going back to my original sort of um you know synopsis. And what I thought was what we were seeing with, with, with CJ Stroud, everything that I saw on tape as a prospect is translating and then some. So, I mean, that's what I'm seeing. And so I would ask you is, do you think this is for real? Uh, And if so, I think we're going to have a conversation about how high we have them in dynasty rankings at the quarterback position. But uh, on the outset, do you think this is like, is this real?
1: Yeah, I do. I really do. And I think, um, just look around him, right? I think he is doing this with, I, with what I would consider an average supporting cast. And we'll talk about those guys, I'm sure. Um, and they are doing super well, but I don't think any of those guys would be tabbed like an elite guy that's going to prop up their quarterback's production. Totally. Um, but what I've been seeing is I've been digging in. I do a lot of digging on fantasypoints.com, mm-hmm. their new data suite. Love those guys over there. I know you've had Scotty B on the podcast yeah, as man. well. Um, so I've been looking at a lot of like rush to pass ratios um, and putting some stuff together through the data that they have on there. Um, and the Texans are still... Still, one of the most run heavy teams in lots of crucial situations. So, first downs, um, red zone, like those lucrative situations, um, they are still running the ball a lot. And honestly, like before I looked at the numbers, I would have thought that they were more pass heavy just the way that he has performed and the way that he's produced. You know what I mean? I would have thought they would be leaning more pass heavy, but they're really not. And it's been such an inefficient run game. So, I think that has room to go up. Um, look at some of his downfield, some more of that lucrative work uh, of all the quarterbacks with at least a hundred pass attempts. He has the third lowest deep passing percentage of any of them. Uh, the only guys worse than him are Daniel Jones and Bryce young. So I think that deep passing could especially come up when say a guy like tank Dell starts to get a little bit more healthy. I honestly think John Metchie could have a couple little flashes. It's one of those speed guys, but that injury yet was devastating might be a little Canadian bias there as well, because he was actually born in Canada. Fun fact. Um, But yeah, CJ Stroud's the real deal. Not only all of those numbers things, but the intangibles. Like he looks like he's commanding that huddle. Uh, He looks like he's moving around nicely in the pocket to evade pressure. Um, Looks like he's got the respect of his teammates, the respect of his coaches, which is only going to grow. So yeah, I'm all for CJ Stroud. Uh, I'm locking him in probably in that borderline quarterback 10 area for dynasty to jump the gun and get into those rankings and I think the only reason that I'm doing that is because he doesn't present any of that rushing upside right so it's really hard for those guys to give you that top five upside they basically need to be throwing 40 plus touchdowns and having like the highest passing volume in the entire league almost to get you up to that uh, up to that level so I'm not sure he's going to get there but I think he's going to be one of those guys that hovers in the 7 to 12 range every single year right and that's That is a quality quarterback that is a quality quarterback for fantasy football consistency maybe a guy that doesn't get injured um yeah he's going to be that for probably the next decade
0: yeah yeah he's uh he's scrambling for a first down a game you know what I mean he's basically just you know he's got perfect yeah 55 rushing yards on the season zero rushing touchdowns you're absolutely right um yeah he just doesn't have that rushing upside or at least it, it, it didn't look like it in, in college. We really don't think he does have it. Hasn't shown yet, and I don't expect it to show going forward. But, you know, and and, and I think you're going to see the same type of thing that we've seen with Trevor, which is, like, a lot of up and down. You know, I don't think it's just going to be all be good. There's going to be a few games where you go, wait, and your resolve is going to be tested, just like it was with Trevor in year one with the, you know, the famous finger and Urban Meyer, right? You know I mean? Mm-hmm. That thumb – you know, had, had a lot of, had a lot of negativity attached to it for sure. And, uh, once, once he thumbed his way out of town, Mr. Urban Meyer opened up the doors for Trevor to be successful. Uh, just searching for thumb up the ass jokes is all I'm doing here. That's it. <laughs> That's all I'm doing. The thumb was deep is all I'm saying. But, Make sure you, you spit know. on it first. Yeah. I mean, he, he did not. He was just, no. he was just no. raw. No in the middle of the No warning. No
1: warning. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no what could go wrong. Totally good decision. Um, and then didn't he kick a fucking player or something like that? In, I think something room. like that,
1: yeah. And God then, like, bless this out, fucking out guy. Wow. A-
0: and he successfully led the fucking criminal mastermind of the Florida Gators back in the day. And then they do that Swamp Kings and they talk about zero crimes in the entire fucking thing. Meanwhile, there were like 72 arrests. What a fucking shame. That was that the,
1: was the only story to be told and they didn't tell any of it. <laughs> right. They're like,
0: we're finally going to tell the story. And then you're like, oh, fuck yeah man let's see it and you're like this isn't the story motherfuckers this is no not the story at all anyway so i'm I'm totally with you with cj let's do the fun thing which is like i'll just hit you with a little this or that like who do you like better in dynasty um you know and drum roll please no real drum roll but here it goes all right (laughs) cj stroud or the aforementioned trevor lawrence who do you prefer in dynasty
1: I think I lean a little bit towards Trevor Lawrence, and I think that's just him. Uh, I think part of it is the window that I evaluate on, right? That two to four, two, three, four year. Um, And I think just the coaching staff that's in place, the weapons that are around him are a little bit of a tier above maybe. Uh, So yeah, I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence by a little bit.
0: I don't disagree. It's the right answer. The gap's Um, not huge
1: though. The gap's not as big as it was before week one.
0: No. What What about Joe Burrow?
1: Ooh man, what a weird season for Joe i right. eh? um, I'm still holding Pat, so I'm going to go Joe Burrow. But again, him, these sir. guys are that these guys are that back half of the top twelve tier. Yes. you'd be happy with having any of them because they're going to be not unspectacular, steady eddies for your fantasy team.
0: It's the right answer, by the way. It's the right answer. They're kind of trick questions because it's the right answer.
1: And Jamar um, Chase, right? Jamar yeah. Chase. Yeah. Well, look,
0: Joe Burrow. Look, I said that C.J. Stroud. I thought his ceiling was kind of in the Joe Burrow realm. You know, yeah. um That's kind of what I thought. I was like, "Look, he's a gamer. He's been super accurate. He fucking has, dude. He, he he delivers the ball so quickly. And you know, there's a there's a thing about the big arm, but there's also the thing about from impulse to the ball on the wide receiver's hands. Like, how long does that take? So that doesn't necessarily mean how fast the ball is traveling. It means how fast the ball gets from. I want to throw to that guy right now in my head the fucking synapses fire. And then from that moment to when the guy's touching the fucking football. And that C.J. Stroud has been doing really well, which is so ironic because the whole thing that we were told with this stupid fucking S2 test was that he doesn't process things quickly. Certainly does that on the fucking football field, just not with your like, you know, whatever the fuck the S2 test is. But um, here's another one, Tua or C.J. Stroud.
1: Oh, fuck. In a vacuum, I think i go CJ Stroud. Mm. Um, But considering the ecosystem, I'm going to go Tua.
0: I think that's also the correct answer. So here we go. Now, maybe two that are a little bit more difficult. Justin Fields or CJ Stroud?
1: This is a bit of a bit of a heartstring tug for me because I have been a big Justin Fields guy. I me actually, um, kind of shamefully, but I stood by it at the time. Ranked him as my quarterback 14 going into his sophomore season. Super bullish on him. Uh, still like him. I, I think he's been done no favors in Chicago. It's pretty clear to see. Um I think I might go CJ Stroud by a hair just because Justin Fields is one of those profiles that could crash and burn if he's not used correctly. And I don't think he's getting used correctly in Chicago. And I think moving to another situation, there's no guarantee that he's going to be continuing to get used correctly. So I think the stability that we are um, starting out on with CJ Stroud kind of supersedes that freaking upper level potential. That we've seen flashes of from Justin Fields.
0: Yeah, it's a tough one because it's CJ Stroud for safety, Fields for upside, right? I mean, so, yeah. you know, if you're like, fuck it, man, I need a, I need to win this year. I need someone to score me 30 points a game for, you know, down the stretch. But, you know, I guess Fields has that upside. But yeah. I, I do agree right now. I think I've got Stroud ahead just in terms of, you know, it's funny too because, okay, if it's one quarterback, it's Fields. Is it one quarterback league? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because 100%. I can, I can replace him easy. But in Superflex,
0: exactly. in Superflex, it's CJ Stroud. I mean, I yeah. know that's a bullshit answer, but it's not.
1: No, it's not at all. And uh, yeah, I think you are spot on with that. It's just uh, you really got to really weigh how much risk you can take on on those rosters. Bingo. Uh, and CJ Stroud presents way less of that than yes. does Justin Fields, like <laughs> <Right>. way less. <laughs> right.
0: So what about uh, what about Kyler Murray or or CJ Stroud?
1: Oh man. That's, Fuck. you know, I think I got to go CJ Stroud, but that yeah. is so wild, isn't it? That is that so wild. Crazy? There's just too much uncertainty around Kyler. I mean, Kyler could bounce back by end of season and I could change this tune potentially. Totally. But I do think Kyler has a few years in, in the league already. Um, we don't know what the situation around him is going to look like. It hasn't looked great in any facet since he got to Arizona. It's just been a bit of a shit show. So um, yeah, I got to go CJ Stroud for that What's safety.
0: Doesn't it feel like Arizona, like everybody was saying, oh, yeah, they're going to be awful. They're going to win zero fucking games and then they're going to take Caleb, then they're going to trade Kyler. Like that was like, it was funny because that wasn't even like, uh, maybe it's going to happen. It felt like it was like, no, no, no for sure. Yeah. Like for sure, that's what's going to happen. So just write that shit down already. But yet, that doesn't look like that's going to happen at all. And if that doesn't happen, like what's Arizona going to do? They're going to fucking hang on to Kyler, I would think. Right. I mean, Right? Like they're not just going to trade them because they feel like it. They're going to trade them because they've got a better option.
1: Yeah, not without a contingency. There's no way that they're getting rid of him without a contingency. And yeah, like hats off to Josh Dobbs for keeping that team super frisky because they have been a super frisky team. Um, Hollywood Brown's playing super well as well. So I'm kind of excited for the Kyler reinsertion just to see what this team can do. Uh, I think their defense is overachieved a little bit as well. So just kind of seeing a little bit more excitement come to what's been a bit of a pedestrian offense with pockets of productivity, right? So Hollywood Brown, James Conner was producing as well. Um but I think Kyler can maybe take that to a little bit of a next level. Maybe we see a little bit more Rondale. Uh, Maybe Kyler is another name that's inserted to uh, an available starting quarterback uh, in our team. So uh, I think he just brings a little bit more intrigue and he offers us a little bit, maybe more options as opposed to just targeting those one and two that we could do before. So uh, hats off to Josh Dobbs, but I don't think he is Kyler Murray. Um, Probably takes a little bit less risks, probably a little safer with the ball. Um, But I think the ultimate upside in this offense is with Kyler Murray there. And yeah, to your point, like I think um, those dominoes would have to fall absolutely perfectly for them to get rid of Kyler, Kyler Murray without that elite contingency plan, right? It's gonna have to be an elite contingency plan. They're not gonna bring in Kirk Cousins after he gets released by the no. Minnesota Vikings or something like that.
0: By the By the way, Josh Dobbs, I mean, me and Clayton Toon were like Dallas Goddard at that bar. And Josh Dobbs is the guy who fucking sucker punched him because I did not see him coming. You know, it's like I had all the Clayton Toon ready to go. Like, I'm ready for Clayton Toon to be the Josh Dobbs. And then they're like, no, 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 we've got nobody. We're going to release Colt McCoy. I'm like, see, here it comes. Here it is. And then Josh Dobbs from the fucking corner of the bar just smacked me in fucking Tune right in the fucking face. and We had to yep. eat it.
1: And we're he is starched. that guy. He is that guy, man. Yeah, God just that – that just serviceable enough to um, make teams want to put him in there.
0: <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like I, I called every part of this fucking thing. I was like, nope. They're in, Colt McCoy. Everyone's like Colt McCoy, dude. I'm like, Colt McCoy definitely does not want to play NFL football, bro. He's rich. Why would he want to play? He doesn't want to play. He's been making like imagine if you just make like five million dollars a year for like holding a clipboard and like being cool in meetings, you know? That's for like the best ten job. years. Dude, for ten years he's been like, Yeah, I'm pretty cool in meetings and like I've got a hot wife and like you know what I mean? I'm, I wear like polo shirts everywhere I go. Like it's fucking fine. Like I'm rich. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, you're going to get in there. But he's like, I don't think so, man. <laughs> I don't think so, dude.
1: No, I'm good. So, I don't think I'm no. going to
0: play, man. Yeah. You're going to have to like there's, police me or some shit.
1: There's your thumb in the ass right there, Jax. The Josh Dobbs <laughs> thumb in the ass is what you got.
0: Dude, it hurts so bad. Yeah, I was, you
1: got. You might say you got tuned With the Josh Dobbs thumb in the
0: ass. (laughs) We are dancing on a show title right now. I don't know exactly (laughs) what Michael P. Duncan's going to do with Josh Dobbs thumb in my ass, but something's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. Clayton Tune Work
1: that magic, Michael P. God
0: dang it. But yeah, it really, really hurt. Um, All right. CJ Stroud. I must say, um, you know, never never mind. I'm going to go here. So CJ Stroud, last one, I swear. And this one... Kind of, I don't know, like 99% of the people would laugh at this one, but 1% is me, CJ Stroud or Dak Prescott.
1: I gotta go CJ Stroud gotta go CJ Stroud Me I just too. think the signs from Dak have not been good he's not giving you much of that actually this past week he ran yes, more than I finally. thought we'd ever see him ever um finally. but he's not giving you those five touchdowns per season that he did in like his first four seasons where he's running in those goal line carries yes. right um, yes this offense is so focused on the run um I looked at them a few weeks back on the pod so obviously none of that stuff is uh is relevant anymore but he's not getting the red zone work he's not getting the downfield work it's not even going to any else it's going to tony pollard tony pollard was at that time leading the league by like 10 carries on red zone carries um yeah. and even he's got his own issues right now but yeah i'm going cj stroud over dak prescott not yeah. looking great as far as no totally. that offense of the past few years that we've seen out of dallas
0: it's it's easy because it really looks like cj stroud has already eclipsed the ceiling of what you know Dak Prescott would be so. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Look, Dak, I am with you a thousand percent, and I'm fucking so glad you said it because it was the rushing, his escapability, all that stuff. And after he broke the the ankle, it's almost mm-hmm. like he's afraid or whatever, or like hesitant or not as athletic, or maybe all of the above. I don't really know, but um, you know, he used to burn you with a couple of fucking big scrambles here and there, and it it, it really gave the defense another thing to think about and another thing to worry about. That has been gone until this past week, where he, he ran one in, and he he had another play the 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 Tony Pollard play where he like was in the pocket, and he just kind of fucking looked like a, he was lost for a second, but then found the escape door, ran out the side, and found Pollard across the middle, and that was a big play too. So you know that escapability leads to big plays because the the fire drill, you know, there's usually someone out the back door, so. Um, speaking of out the back door, I'm finally happy to get this, hey there. Thumb, this thumb out of here. Um, but my thumb has been fucking straight up all off season for tank Dell. Um, I mean, you know, you, you have very, very few receipts, but, uh, what are your thoughts here on this tank Dell situation? You want to just you know, congratulate me. How do you want to play this question?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Big W for old Jack's Falcone for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not going to toot your horn too, too much. Cause the hell no, doesn't need don't. To get any bigger brother. No, uh, no. Yeah, it's but, uncomfortable okay. for me.
0: I don't like it. Yeah. I um, bet. your
1: poor shoulders, man.
0: Yep. Yep. No, it's fucking heavy with this fucking bullshit. Listen, but take, take, but uh, on the flip side, actually Nico's been the, been the alpha there. Oh yeah. You know, and I would ask is Nico a real alpha or a fake alpha?
1: I, I actually hate to say it because I think he's a bit of a fake alpha and it's not for lack of ev- of loving everything that he's done this season because he's, he's done awesome. He has far exceeded my expectations. He has been what CJ Stroud has needed to allow us to have the perception of him that we do have, right? Like Nico Collins has been a key factor in CJ Stroud doing what he has been doing this season nico collins top 10 in yards top 10 in yards per route run he is number one in yards after the catch per reception this season of any wide receiver i didn't even think that was a part of his profile like i would have thought that he was closer to a catch and fall down receiver than one of the best yards after the catch receivers in the league so it's all been great for nico collins but i think um where I'm at is just with the positive signs that CJ Stroud has been showing. I think this team building around that quarterback is going to look for their Jamar chase. They're going to look for their, their Justin Jefferson in the draft, that highly drafted guy. He can do absolutely everything. And so I think that's going to be the debt to the detriment of Nico Collins. So I don't think I would be buying in dynasty. I'd probably be selling that could bite me in the ass. And honestly, I hope it does because I'd love to see the guy succeed. Um, but yeah, I think they're probably going to, continue to try and build around this young quarterback and i think a part of that is getting what they deem as that elite wide receiver even though they are getting elite wide receiver play out of this guy um and they should be able to just sink their teeth in and trust him and just allow him to be that for him for the future um but yeah teams are always trying to add to that young quarterback and capitalize on that quarterback contract and so i think this might be one of those situations um so yeah i mean i'm riding the lightning for the rest of this year that's for damn sure because it's going to be a great 2023 uh, but i do think this could be the best season of his career that we see how, f-
0: how far off do you think nico is to guys like george pickens or t higgins as a dynasty asset
1: quite a ways for me i think like okay. maybe not quite a- yeah i'd probably say probably a couple tiers i don't have the numbers because i didn't go that deep no, as i built okay. out some yeah. dynasty rankings but i would say probably a couple of tiers yeah it's interesting
0: because, like, you know, listen to this. Like, what a difference, you know, Davis Mills and C.J. Stroud makes. I'm just going to read you a couple of quick ones, right? So, yards per target. This is uh, his first two years, then this year is uh, um, uh, Nico Collins. 7.4, 7.3, 13. <laughs> it's like, oh, his, his catch percentage, 55, 56, 69 you know, his yards per reception, 13, 13, 19. It's like, dude, everything is just up immediately. Like it's just so much better, you know, uh, yards per game is, he's just been so good because I think he does finally have a quarterback. You know, the one thing that's sneaky about Nico is Nico was a high level high school prospect that went to that Michigan program. And, you know, I guess they ran like the wing T power. I fucking fullback option play, you know, every time or whatever, you know, it's like, they were very archaic. They didn't have a lot of downfield passing uh, prowess, and they didn't. They, they just didn't do it. And so he was as good as he could be in a shitty offense. Well, he's been that for two years here now in twenty one and twenty two, and now finally gets some some clear path runway in twenty twenty three and makes the most of it. Yeah, it could be it could be a little bit fake stuff here, but you know he's just got enough of a profile that it keeps me interested. Uh, I have a very very interesting trade offer in my inbox that it involves both Nico Collins coming my way, T Higgins going the other way and some other shit happening. And yeah, I, I kind of think that I agree with you to some degree that T Higgins is certainly a, a level above, but I just wonder how much of a level above. And quite frankly, that's actually the negotiation that we're basically having on this trade deal because I am getting Devon a chain back, but he wants first round picks back. And you know, it's that whole thing. It's like, well, what's the real difference between these guys And uh, yeah, so, you know, obviously he wants tea in the deal. You know what I mean?
1: I think uh, that sentiment there, Uh, is kind of where some of my concern lies potentially too right you see these true alphas um, even with that shitty quarterback play they emerge and they show some of that stuff on based on just their talent alone devoid of situation look at in houston deandre hopkins for years was producing huge with bad quarterbacks so that might be a little bit of my concern on nico collins just because i think if he is going to be a true alpha he's going to be a major outlier um just based on the fact that we didn't see it even with like not expecting him to put up 1400 yards with david mills um but to show some of those flashes which for yep. me i don't think he necessarily did so um that were might be where i play devil's advocate a little bit but i, I love I, that like that's not without saying that he has the tools that he could be that i just think that some of the pedigree that he brings might not make teams allow him to be that
0: I think that's a great take. I think that's the great pushback. That was awesome because, you know, I wasn't necessarily arguing with you, but we I think we found the truth by sort of taking each side of that deal. And I, I kind of agree that I think he's a bit more of a fake alpha than he is a real alpha, even though he's playing that right now. And I totally agree. Like, he's the type of guy that, like, they would draft a guy and be like, oh, Nico's the number two now or number three. Like, he could easily be vaulted down a notch. Kind of like the Damian Pierce situation, which we really yeah. kind of got a little bit fooled into this Damian Pierce situation. You have any takes there? I mean, this has been pretty bad.
1: Yeah, just not a running game that we want to. I've never been really a Damien Pierce guy, just for some of that outlier status that he had to yeah. be to do what he did last year. Right, it just wasn't something I was investing in necessarily. I actually am, have been a big Devin Singletary guy, oddly enough. But I don't know, there's not very many of us Dude. out there. <laughs> um, do you remember? He,
0: do you remember the Devin Singletary that we used to do with Zach Moss on the pods?
1: Yes. Okay. Who would, yeah. who was the mummy kangaroo and who was yeah. in? Was it uh, Devin Singletary was it's in Zach Moss. Zach Moss's kangaroo yeah, pouch or something? On, oh, he would sit on his lap. Good during man. the
0: film meeting, so you could see the projector, you know.
1: I'm gonna yeah. have to dig that show up yeah. for sure. I think that was on my show, right? I think that was yeah. on a true north yeah. show. Oh, yeah. what a classic. Fucking I think hilarious. we probably went for like three hours too, as is customary. That was yeah, yeah, that was fucking show. fantastic. Yep. So I
0: remember That's your nice. your love for, for Devin Singletary goes all the way back and the jokes were just as good. Um,
1: but yeah, yeah, I'm not investing in any of them. Like I think Devin Singletary at best needs Damian Pierce to get an injury or to fall off the face of the earth to be anything that we want. Uh, I think Damian Pierce is going to continue getting some decent volume, but I think it's going to move towards a little bit more of a split. Uh, and so for that reason, I am out.
0: I agree. So we're going to finish on this last last thing we're going to talk about other than you being awesome. So thanks for being here. You're amazing. <laughs> um, the, the Anthony Richardson. Okay, because, you know, one one player we didn't ask about in that this or that with C.J. Stroud was Anthony Richardson. And now Anthony Richardson will miss the remainder of the season with his shoulder. They're going to shut him down and kind of go from there. And, you know, I I think if you were a rebuilding team that drafted him and, you know, maybe it's just fine. Just park him on your fucking IR he doesn't score any points for you. You get another good pick this year. You know, you kind of get a two-year rerun at um, you know, at rebuild and and kind of go from there and fuck it, you know. Um, but ultimately maybe you're a competing team. Who knows? I mean, there you know, I know I had a lot of 102, 103s that I was a good team and you know, traded for those picks along the way. So it's not all automatic that I'm a rebuilder with with Anthony Richardson. What are your thoughts about Anthony Richardson, the prospect, and kind of how you'd be treating him in Dynasty, given the situation? I mean, it it just feels like a total fucking bummer.
1: Dude, it was really sad, man. It was really sad when you heard that he was going to have that surgery and be out for the season. It was sad even when you thought he was going to be out for a few weeks because of what he was doing previous to that Uh, so Anthony Richardson is a guy I am still all in on I would go out there and I would buy him if I'm a team who can afford to put him on my IR Uh, just the ultimate upside that he presents I think I have some questions about him as a passer potentially we haven't really seen it have some questions about the passing volume that the team is going to allow him to take on as that dual threat running quarterback so um, questions there but I don't think that really matters as far as fantasy production because the rushing work that he gives is going to be insane Uh, I went back 10 years, Jackson. He's the only quarterback in that 10 year span and potentially a little bit further back who finished as a top five quarterback in their first ever game in the NFL. Um, So that was pretty solid. And that's on the back of that rushing work. I think if you go to fantasypoints.com, he averaged 0.75 fantasy points per drop back, which is absolutely astronomical. There was no way he was going to sustain that. But through that those five games some of them being partial games he was maintaining that there so i think we were going to see like a top five rookie fantasy quarterback this year and so for that reason i am still in Uh, i think the situation around him looks good we saw them even pull the eagles Mm -hmm. um brotherly shove play or whatever with him in that first week um so there is some potential touchdown upside within the uh The goal near the goal line um what i was curious about seeing that i haven't seen obviously and that we won't see until potentially next year how do his red zone rushes and jonathan taylor's red zone rushes eat into each other because i think those could potentially hurt one of their ultimate upsides Um, but i think as far as a fantasy quarterback he is going to be kind of that you know weekly top five ish potential with some dud games here there on the back of low passing volume but yeah all in on Anthony Richardson, man. I love everything that he was doing.
0: Yeah, I think that's well said. I think that's right. I think if you can afford to, you know, fashion a trade where Anthony Richardson finds his way onto your roster in Dynasty, that's probably a smart thing to do. Um, there could be some desperate teams that are looking to get off him. Uh, obviously, the rebuilders are probably not looking to sell. He did hit the trade block in one of my leagues, um, you know. So I think maybe people are seeing what they can kind of, you know, flip him for and and turn him into production this year plus you know, a quarterback that, you know, like Burrow or Anthony Richardson, you know, obviously it's like, I don't know. It feels like a lateral move. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like you're necessarily. I don't know. You know, does that, but if, you know, if you can flip a, you know, a Dak into an Anthony Richardson some, somehow, yeah. you know, adding a few pieces here and there, going back and forth where someone's like, all right, man, I get the production. Dak's still good or whatever. You know, I think that's where you can take the step up and try and, you know, um, it, it make the move and, Gosh, if you have some, you know, enough enough um, quarterbacks on the roster to sustain a competitive team, it may be worth it. You know.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that as you were talking. There, Superflex leagues would be primo, right? Because a lot of times on your super flex teams in the draft, you've stacked quarterbacks. That team is now down an elite option at quarterback. So maybe you flip one of those guys that you have um, plus for Anthony Richardson or something. And in the Burrow situation, man, I would definitely. Um, lean towards the Anthony Richardson plus side as opposed to the Joe Burrow side of yeah. that trade. Uh, if I could afford to lose mm-hmm. Joe Burrow's immediate production right. to get that like ultimate thing that Joe Burrow can never provide as production that Anthony Richardson could provide, I'd probably look at doing that if my season's maybe in the dirt.
0: Yeah. No, it makes, makes perfect sense. Also, Thing that made perfect sense was having you on the show today. So thanks for coming. Uh tell the fine people where else. Uh I by the way, I nailed your intro today. That was like the you best did. part of the fucking show. We should you have just it. called it right then. I mean, I just fucking nailed it.
1: You yeah, know? didn't even fuck up the Twitter handle. It was money. Oh, so good.
0: <laughs> tell tell all the people it. where you're at, where they can catch your shit so they can find it. Uh you're 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 fantastic. So thanks again.
1: Thanks, man. And yeah, just can't say enough about how thankful I am that you had me on. Um, This is my first guest spot back in probably over a year on any podcast. So it felt good and it felt good to kind of shake that rust off with a buddy super yes, comfortable getting on the show with you Jax. love you guys over at undroppables and yeah you guys feel like uh, kind of a second home for me so thanks a lot um i can be found um i would love for everybody to go follow the true north account at true north ffb on twitter and on instagram and on tiktok um so i'm playing around on the streets there right i have fun making graphics and stuff so those other platforms are kind of the wheelhouse for that uh, but you can also catch me on twitter at tcl14 um having fun dropping data threads here and there, little stat nuggets here and there. You might see some see some graphics done over there too yeah so go give me a follow um still you know figuring out my format and stuff like that and figuring out what kind what i can manage but there will be videos mm-hmm. coming every week there will be social media content coming every week so uh come along for the ride and i really want people to tell me what they want to see um so if anybody enjoys my content and there's anything that they want to see me do i would love to hear it so feel free to leave a comment or shoot a dm but uh yeah thanks to you for having me on man cannot thank you enough it yeah. was nice to kind of mm-hmm. decompress uh from parenthood and just taking. An, little hour and a half sesh to talk some football with the homie jacks buddy so i appreciate it maybe two maybe two hours i'm sorry yeah that's okay that's how we roll man and uh big shout out to michael p on the ones and twos as well
0: absolutely i will say i will say man you um you you do deserve some followers and i will say everybody should go check them out you were doing you were doing a lot of great stuff obviously took the hiatus because of you know Parenting and family, which comes first? And you know, I'm excited to see what you do here going forward. I've liked a lot of what you've been putting out. It's definitely worth a follow. I think your stuff on TikTok and uh, Instagram are actually really fun. You know, of course I follow you on Twitter, but um, I think those other spots are you're you're really doing a great job with that and a lot of fun and you know, quick, succinct, informational, fun. You know, cool. It's all good. So I really like what you're doing, and and I can't wait to see what you do next. And so for that, I thank you. So thanks for coming on. And on behalf Of everybody here at The Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at The Undrafted, on behalf of the greatest podcast producer the world has ever known, Mr. Michael Big Pimpin' Duncan. You have been joined by Travis Seal. And I am Jax Falcone. And we are out